And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? What? Huh? Yeah. Hello? Huh? Wait, Hello? Wait, what? Uh, I want to buy something. Oh, oh. Well, I'm not sure how to listen to my customers, so I'm having a hard time with that. But are, are you there? Hello. Can you take Do my you money? want something? Take my money. Oh yes, I'd love to take, take your money. I heard money. that part. Take well, it. here we are, Matt. It's another episode. We're going to talk about how to listen to your customers, which I f- currently feel is a lost art. Nobody does that everywhere. anymore. No, no, but. Yeah, so we're going <laughs> to, for those of you listening, we could hear each other the whole time. Anyway, yeah, so, you know, here here for another episode of Startup Hustle, Matt. And, you know, before we talk about how to listen to customers, we should let everyone know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Well, I wasn't kidding. I've had quite the run of crap service in my life. Recently, um, everything from trying to buy carpet to a new car that is missing one tiny part that makes it usable and a bunch of other stuff. And I keep kind of running into the same thing, man. I'm just wondering if people know how to listen to their customers or or just have general well, customer service at all. We definitely have a major labor shortage at at the current moment in the United States. And I'm not quite sure if it's really a labor shortage or if all these companies are using as a as an excuse to have a labor shortage or both. I'm not sure, but like I go to a restaurant and there's two people working in the whole restaurant. One person taking orders and another one making tacos and it's like a long ass line and it takes forever. like I call Kohler about an issue with my faucet and the phone the phone just says, "Please go to our website." Click. Like Yep. Yep. It's just crazy, man. Everywhere you go. Yep. And that's what I've been running into, man. You know, just like, you know, well, recently I bought $13,000 worth of carpet and then 14 calls later to the installer, they answered the phone, changed my date, moved my stuff, everything really pissed me off and resulted in a canceled order, and which I think is the only way that some businesses seem to be listening to their customers. But yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't think this issue and this problem in business is caused by a labor shortage because there's someone there eventually or in general, but it just, I don't know. I really don't. I, I think it's a problem and it's not something that I and we do at full scale. I listen to my customers all the time, man. I ask them, hey, what can we do to make your life easier? How can I help you? And you know what? They spend more and more and more as a result. So maybe we're onto something. Well, and, and I think that's what we got to talk about today, right? Let's let's pretend people uh, actually have the ability to listen to people. <laughs> and how should you what? listen to them? You know, how many times are we going to say what with a question mark after this? It, I mean, it's probably a lot. We should apologize to the listeners ahead of time. 
What? 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 Huh? What? Take my money. All right. Well, all right, so let's talk for a minute about building a brand, Matt. You know, you, but you and I, between us, have started a whole bunch of different companies and done a lot of things. And, you know, we've each had companies that ended up having hundreds of employees, which changes the dynamic of your everything. Is that fair to say? Yep, absolutely. Do you think that some of the issue with not listening to customers just kind of comes from you have a massive amount of people at your company and it's just kind of hard to get people to give a shit? Well, it's, I mean, it definitely depends on the life cycle of your company, right? I mean, definitely big corporations. Like, can you imagine calling Amazon? No. Can you? I had, I had to do it once. Cause I was returning something really big that had to be like shipped back or something like that. And like, you just don't book it online. But I mean, but most big company these days, can you imagine calling them? And if you can, you're like cussing the whole time because you're like, why can't I go on their website and just cancel this shit or make the change? Like, it's mind boggling. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, and that's why I said that's why I'll cancel an order. Because I think that's the only way that businesses understand you got to You got to You got to pick the money back out of the pocket. But anyway, so we're going to get into how to listen to and there's a few things, you know, so I mean, have you ever not listened to your customers, Matt? Um, maybe, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's I one, of the, too. Yeah. one of the traps you run into as a software developer is you like, I'm going to build this thing and then everybody's going to come buy it. But if you don't talk to enough people, you just build stuff that nobody wants. So if you graduate from the Matt DeCourcy School of Customer Service, you will learn that the customer isn't always right. Nope. Um, no, they're, they're not. not. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's like a misnomer. So I, I don't know if they still teach people that. But, you know, when I was growing up, it was the customer's always right. The customer isn't always right. We told the customer they were always right. And that became a lever that a lot of customers use to kind of lean in and try to get what they want. But that doesn't mean you're not listening. Like I'm still hearing what they're saying. I just might not necessarily be agreeing. I think in this particular case, we're like, you know, talking about, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll always listen to a customer or a client or a prospect. It doesn't mean that I'm going to give them everything that they want. Sometimes you need to be, I mean, I think you need to learn how to say no, uh, well, but that doesn't mean you're not listening. Supply and demand, right? So if, if you've got a lot of demand for whatever service you're doing um, and you've got some customers that are just ridiculous to deal with, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to fire you because I got three more people that want my service and I don't want to deal with your bullshit. Right. That's a great I'm okay place with to be. that. I'm okay with that. But that's not not listening. Yeah. Right. Not listening is just like being tone deaf, not hearing, not not paying attention, not looking for the clues. Now, I think once you start, if your business is, well, if that is currently your business or your business is trending in that direction, I think you need to prepare yourself for the fact that at some point you just might not be in business because eventually I think that catches up with you. Well, and, and sometimes it's not necessarily listening to your customers that may be important. It's listening to the industry, right? Just understanding what is going on in the industry and, um, I mean, let's be honest, customers don't always ask for what they need. They ask for what they want. Like Henry Ford Correct. would be famous for saying like people weren't asking for a car. They were asking for like what a bigger, faster horse that you didn't have to feed or something. Right. But 
he invented the car, right? Like people are notorious for not really asking for exactly what they need. They ask for something else and smart entrepreneurs figure out like, oh no, this is actually what they need. They just don't know it. So if Ford didn't invent the car, he invented a better way to build it. And that's true too. Yeah. So, well, so there's a lot of reasons why you need to listen to your customers. Why don't we start there? So like, first off, it, you, I mean, if you want to reduce so churn, Matt, what's churn? Dude, it is the most important thing there is if you have a young, new startup technology product because you work your ass off to find customers, to get them to trust you, to get them to try your crappy little product you're trying to build. And then you got to make them happy. And if not, they cancel and then they churn, right? And I can tell you right now as an investor, one of the most important things I want to know is what is your churn rate? For every 100 customers you sign up, if you lose like half of them in the first, you know, two to three months after they sign up, you've got major customer retention problems and this is never going to work, right? Customer churn is huge. It's a big, big deal. And customer service, customer success, you know, retaining your customers, it's, it's so much easier to retain a customer than it's find a new one, right? Like we all know that. And so churn is a big, big deal and, and you know, doing good processes to keep your customers happy is critical, especially in an early stage technology company. Well, so your churn rate, which is also sometimes referred to as attrition rate, is the rate at which customers stop doing business with the company over a given period. So this is also like when you talk about KPIs, you know, key performance indicators, uh, improvements in churn rate are a good measuring stick, especially for a young business. Cause look like Matt wasn't trying to make fun of your young quote, crappy product, but you know what? All technology is kind of crappy. It's kind of crappy in the beginning. So the churn rate is. When you're the disruptor, right? Like why should I buy your product versus buying something from IBM? Right? Like I took the leap of faith to buy from your little startup. I could have bought IBM or whatever. Right. And then. I mean, it's hard to get people to buy in when you're a brand new product. Let's be honest, right? Like whatever it is you're doing, it's hard to get people away from, you know, the bigger competition and you better keep them, right? You got to do everything you can. And so you got to listen to them and bend over backwards for them in the early days. I mean, you got to listen to them, right? And you should be lucky that that they're willing to talk to you. Yeah. And the higher your churn rate, the more customers are stopping buying from your business. And much like Matt said, I mean, this is not... A secret. It is cheaper to keep the clients, customers, and users you've got than it is to go find new ones. So, and we so we we talk about we talk about this for a second. Like at Stackify, we had over a thousand customers, and if our churn, if our retention rate was only say ninety percent, that means every year we would have lost a hundred customers, right? We would have retained nine hundred of the thousand, and a hundred would have left. That means we got to sign up a hundred new customers just to replace just to the ones even. that we lost, right? And so you're like bleeding. And if your retention rate is only say 70 or 80%, it's, I mean, it's like you're swimming, you're swimming up river. Like it's very difficult. Um, and your churn rate is so important and customer retention is a huge thing, especially in an early stage technology company, right? Like it's, it's really big deal. I'm going to compare this to an arcade game. You know, the game that pushes the coins and mm-hmm. you like yes. drop all those coins down. You have to pile them up before some actually fall off the ledge and give you money. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So that's, I mean, I, when I think about churn rate, sometimes I think about that because you talk about losing a hundred, you know, clients, customers, users. Now you got to drop a whole bunch more coins down to get the other ones to slide closer to the edge. Meaning like you're not growing, you're not getting profitable and you're losing all of the money that yeah. it took to build those coins up in the first place. Cause the first, the, uh, if you know, if you look at 10% of your whatever leaving, well, you've probably spent time, effort, energy, emotion, any of it, labor, just getting them set up, getting them signed up, getting them moving, getting them to place orders. And, you know, work. like, yeah, I mean, so at full scale, we have a very, like a minimal churn rate, both for, so a churn rate can also uh, uh, apply to your employees. So you have employee churn as well. And I think yep. that's one of the problems that comes with like not listening to clients and users because, all right, so Matt, if you showed up anywhere and today was your first day, you're, is it fair to say you're probably not an expert on whatever it is that you got hired to do? I'm like, definitely not. Right. I'm a so, so part of the problem that one of the things that quietly contributes to customer churn is employee churn because you constantly having to replace people that might've actually known what they were talking about. Now you got, so you're mentioning like, can I, why can't I do this on the website? Why can't someone help me? Who are you? Like, you're just talking to someone on the phone and, you know, I try not to like t let the Hulk loose on those people. But one of the problems is, is like when you're 13 forwarded calls later, you've been on hold for an hour. I don't know. Hulk's coming out. You, you ever go to Chipotle and there's some new guy or girl uh, working there and they're trying to take your order and you feel like you know way more about ordering yeah. food at Chipotle than they do. And you're like, how the fuck did you get a job here if you don't know how to make a burrito at Chipotle? Like, but it's like they're new, right? And it's like, as a customer, I'm like, what is wrong with you? How do you not know how to make a burrito? Like, I've ate here a thousand times. I can do it. <laughs> I feel like my DoorDash driver goes through that for me. <laughs> It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's true. I, I, you know, I really don't order. I don't go to restaurants anymore. I just have it delivered. I don't have to deal with it. All right. So, you know, we're talking about like when it comes to churn, poor customer service is the second biggest reason why customers switch providers um, for whatever it is that they do. But like the other one, I mean, just general dishappiness, right? Like unhappiness, like you're not happy with, we actually, do you remember when we had a guest, uh, Matt Moody, the company mm -hmm. was Bellwether Yes. and they literally built machine learning algorithms to detect when, uh, subscribers were going to churn because it's that big of a deal. And there's like a lot of indicators. Um, so in that particular case, their technology would look at like, if someone calls, like it was mainly that he was using the example of, of phone plans you know, AT&T or T-Mobile or whatever. Right. And so like it, there were indicators, like if they called twice in a, in a, in a specific period of time, the volatility of that, of the churn, like shot way up, like yep. a couple calls to cut. So how do you deal with it and how do you react with that? Which is actually one of the bigger problems that companies have because they know why users or, or whom our subscribers leave, but you know, like, how do you fix it? So you know, I mean, the things that, that all comp all companies want to do is improve customer loyalty, but it's hard for a customer or client to be loyal to you when I, as a buyer, don't feel like you care about me or you're not listening. 
Customer service is huge. And honestly, one of the, the biggest advantages we had at Stackify, my last company, is we were small and we put a huge focus on customer service, right? And it was inevitable that yeah. people would sign up for a product and they would have a question or a problem. Like It was just inevitable. It's going to happen. And if they emailed us, we we had like a 99.9% rate of responding back to their email within the first hour. That was like our yeah. SLA service level agreement, like internally that with our staff. And that was huge differentiator because, I mean, you got to think people may pr- try our product and, and if they run into an issue, they may just go try our competitor's product too, right? Um, but if they tried our competitor's product first and their com- our competitor takes like two days to respond to an email, they may have said, well, screw this shit. I'm just going to try something else. And they tried our product, right? And then they had success or we helped them. But customer service and the speed of customer service is so essential, especially for technology products where people get, they stumble on things, right? Like in in Gigabook, you know, forever you'd have people like, well, I sign up, but I don't know how to do this thing or I don't know how to do this thing. I got stuck here. How do I do this thing with my widget? Whatever. And the faster you answer those, those questions, the better. Otherwise they just say, screw this shit. I'm done with it. And they move on. They just leave. Well, a lot of that's fixed. Like with Gigabook, we fixed that with what we called Smart Start, which yeah. was just like good onboarding. And yep. I think that like that's a good way to well, you don't even. So we're talking about how to listen to your customers, but maybe the real solution here is creating scenarios, setups, and onboarding where you they don't even. I don't want to have to contact yeah. you. So it's like so Amazon. That's what I went They've through. done yeah, everything well, possible. Like there's no way you would ever talk to somebody at Amazon, right? I'm okay with that if it's as long as it's smooth. So that was the issue I had. You know, I mentioned I bought $13,000 worth of carpet and 14 calls to the installer later, I ended up back at the store and I was like, what's up? And the lady, the store manager comes out and I won't say what store it is, but it's a one you would recognize. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, she said, well, did you call our installer line? And I said, <laughs> I shouldn't have to. And she looked at me, she said, you know what? You're right. And she got to work trying to fix it, but really in the end, what it came down to is they had one installation company. So I was like, I want a different installer. Like they had all these complaints online. I was really getting it. I was like, I want someone else to install this stuff. She said, sorry, we only have one place. I said, well, all right, then I want to cancel my order because I made a deal to buy from you, not from them. Yeah. So they lost a pretty significant order there. And you know, like, well, once again, I think that that's how businesses get it. Cancel your order if the service sucks. So yeah. Yep. Okay. So what, obviously it's one thing to just kind of sit there and like, just be quiet while someone talks and tells you stuff. Like what have we learned or what were we supposed to have learned in like third grade, like active listening, like actually paying attention to what's being said, you know, where I'm going with this, Matt, you're listening for the echo. Yes. If you're listening and the same, and your clients and your customers are telling you the same things over and over and over and over again. It's probably you and not them. Yeah, listen for that echo, man. I mean, it's true, and, and that's so, what you did at Gigabook, right? You're like everybody has these yeah. same problems. We figure out how to streamline them, automate it, or build self help, like you know, in app support, training videos, like all the different things, right? You, you're, it's a numbers game. You're just trying to eliminate those biggest uh, issues. And especially if you have some kind of a new software product you're building, right? You're you're trying to get people signed up, trying to get them to try the product and to get to that aha moment as fast as possible where they try it and they're like, wow, I see value in this thing. I can see why I would pay for it, right? And if there are any stumbling blocks along the way, 
you fail, right? And it's all about trying to get them to that path as fast as possible to that aha moment and having good customer service, training, tutorials, all these things help a lot. And if they need help, it's trying to be there as fast as possible. Yeah, I've got a pretty profound thing that everyone needs to pay attention to before I release that to the world. I think we should take a minute and recognize that this episode is sponsored by Fullscale. That's our company, Matt. And you know, at Fullscale, we help companies build their software teams quickly and affordably. Go learn more about what we do by visiting fullscale.io. Uh, I'll tell you what, if we didn't listen to our clients and users, I'd never sell anything because that's our entire business is built around listening to what our customers, clients yeah. need. And that experience as they've had before coming back with a solution. Well, and, and, it, and, and, and to be honest, one thing we haven't talked about that I wrote down in my notes here, one of the most important things to listen to from your customers is what not to do. And that was a big thing we did at full scale, right? We, we talked like, Oh, you've had software developers before and they were in India or wherever. And you're like, why did it fail? Right. Well, why, why was it unsuccessful? Right. And learning like what not to do. Right. So now as a business, we know like, okay, we don't want to do those things. And that, that's another essential thing to listen to from your customers is learning what not to do. Um, and, and that was a, and a big thing me, for us. You full beat scale. me to my profound statement, Matt. So, you know, that's the thing is like, you got to look at it. It's not criticism. It's help. You should thank the people that are taking time to actually give you feedback. So kind of the rule of thumb is one person that actually says something represents 99 others that didn't. Yeah. Yep. I mean, for real. So like, think about that. Like when you get, you don't, cause I hear people like, oh man, I can't, I get this bitchy customer on the line, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, that's representing 99 others that turned their back yeah. and walked across the well, street and, there, and bought there. And, and there are statistics on like social media, for example, where like 90% of people will only read stuff on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And then you have like eight or 9% that might interact. They might click like, or they might comment or something. But then there's like 1% that really like responds or creates the content. Like we all have family members that like randomly like shit, but you never hear from them. Like they never post anything on Facebook, but they'll like stuff and they might comment on something. They're like kind of digital stalkers, right? But there's very few people that actually will say something or do something, right? And it's exactly what you just said. Like you, it may seem like, oh, there's this one asshole that, that said this thing. But honestly, there's probably, like you said, a whole lot more they just don't take the time or the effort to stand up just like you did with the installer and your carpet thing. Like, you know, you went back to them and you're like, Hey, I just want you to know you guys really suck. And somebody needs to tell you, you really suck where a lot of people just deal with the bullshit and they don't step up and, and give you the real feedback. Well, they tried to tell me it was going to cost me 20% to cancel my order. And I said, no, it's not. And they said, well, that's our rule. And I said, fine, well, then you're going to, you are going to discuss that with the black card people. Amex. We're going to see what they have to say about it. Cause you know, they, and that's the thing though. It's like in some cases, like in that case, you haven't completed the service or delivered anything. And by the way, there were signs like all over the store are professional installers. No, you're right about that. All right. So Matt, you just mentioned something about like online stuff. We, we have some info here. It's a report from applied Marketing science found that customers who receive responses to their tweets are willing to spend three to 20% more on average priced items. Now, 
This kind of reminds me of, uh, have you, do you follow Wendy's on Twitter? No, but they're the ones that troll people, right? No. Well, actually they're really good because people will tweet at Wendy's and they'll be like, Hey, I didn't get my fries. And they'll, and they'll like, and they'll get, they're like super fast. They're like that. They'll be like, that ain't right. It just really, it's, it's fun to see the way they do it. Now, Wendy's does intentionally troll people like, Mm. you know, so like, but, and that's funny too, but they're Should not, I go tweet not, them right now and tell them I, I didn't get a straw when I went through the drive-thru and see what they do. They would, they would address it pretty quickly, but they're engaging. So, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, I think is really a key thing here is, all right, you, you've, and you've talked about this in other episodes. You're like, if you take two days to reply. Oh yeah. Forget it. I mean, man, there's like a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of, of, of space in there for someone to go do something else. Now, how many times have you bought something that represented the path of least resistance or just convenience. And like, that's the way the world is now, you know, like if, I mean, it, cause there's such a, a, there's not a lot of differentiation between products, you know, like, I mean, you want to buy, well, kitchen I think knives. so you want to buy kitchen knives, yeah. Matt, and one place is like, you're okay. Are they sharp? Are they good? Do they cut food? Like, I don't care if they're made by Cuisinart or someone else or whatever. Like, are they any good? Like if it's super easy for me to buy them and bring them home, I'm moving on. I love to just get Dude, stuff off my list. True story. I've been at like bye bye baby before. And I had like a stroller or something in my hand and I'm looking at the line to check out and there's like five people in line. I'm like, screw this shit. I set it down. I pick up my phone. I ordered on Amazon in like five seconds while I walk out the store to my car. Like before I even get to the car, I've already ordered it on Amazon. I'm like, oh, I'll just get it tomorrow. Whatever. And that's been I don't even have to unload what? it from the car now. That's great because Amazon will just leave it on my front doorstep. That's been one of the jokes about Best Buy over yeah. the last 10 years is that they're just a showroom for yeah. Amazon. <laughs> I've done it so. multiple times, man. Like I'm in a store and like, like they're really busy or whatever. I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to order on Amazon. I'll just get it in a couple of days. But there was a, right. a huge shift like five, 10 years ago or something that that happened, right? Like even 10 years ago, like when Amazon was around, I'd still be the guy. Like I'd drive around all over town to Best Buy or Target or Walmart or whatever trying to find some gadget, some phone or iPhone or whatever it was, right? When I could have went to Amazon and I could have just ordered it and I would have got it in two days, but I was still mentally, I'm like, I got to drive all over town to find this thing. Well, and then eventually the light bulb come on for most of us and we're like, oh no, we just ordered from Amazon. Like, why would you drive around town? That's crazy. Yeah, you just wait two days. It's no big deal. You just wait two days, right? Like there was a I'll huge a, shift I'll there pay somewhere. A couple more, I'll pay a couple more dollars to leave with it if it's right in front of me, just because. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Too. I mean, I'm okay with I'm okay with that. Especially I mean, if I got I good got, customer service. Yeah, I kind of feel bad. I'm like, this guy worked his ass off. Uh, but the good the good ones that help you explain what the benefits are, not just tell you that it has a bunch of features, right? They do. Like, and along the way, a lot of times you'll figure out benefits to products that you didn't even know. So I think that listening to your customers often, well, okay. <laughs> Oh man, this is a rabbit hole that we're not going to go too far down because we could probably do like an eight part series. A lot of the problems at businesses start with shitty salespeople mm. that over promise and under deliver. And that was one of the, you know, I mentioned the carpet purchase. Like I was expecting like two weeks and then a couple of days to get installed. And then like five weeks later, and then they're moving my dates around. And by the way, Matt, they were doing all of that because 
the sm- I had multiple rooms and the very smallest one didn't that roll of carpet hadn't come in. So they were moving my whole entire order away and not telling me or anything. And so, but that starts at the store level when they're telling you, Hey, it'll probably be two weeks, maybe a couple of days more. And then when you're five weeks later, you're like, what the hell? So like we're both, you and I are both going through like home remodel stuff yeah. right now. That's infuriating and lame enough already to like, so when anything like delays that, you know, so I think overall you're better, you know, the, the, the phrase that comes with this is you should always, uh, under promise and over deliver. And that's, always, that's going to help not having to listen to upset, frustrated customers. And, and I always refer to it as expectation management, right? And, and, and in this example or in any example, right, if it's a software thing, like customer, like, Oh, does your product do X, Y, Z? Like, don't promise them like you're going to add that feature and give it to them in two weeks either, right? Like, oh, it's on a roadmap. Maybe we'll do it in 2024, whatever. Because the last thing you do is tell your customer that like, oh, yeah, we're going to it's going to be on our next release next month. And then you miss the deadline over and over and over, right? It is all about expectation management. People are much more, much happier to just say, look, uh, we don't know when it's going to be done. Uh, We think it'll be done in like three or four months. Then to lie to them and be like, oh, it's going to be in our next release next week. Like, like, you know, it's probably going to be four weeks or six weeks, but tell them three or four months, because then if you get it done sooner, like you just said, right, you, you, you beat the expectations and they're happy. It's all about setting expectations. People are fine. Just give them the bad news. Like they'll take the bad news, but just don't lie to them and then keep telling them over and over and over a new story about it. Just set the expectations and be clear to people. So I, I operate on the extreme side of candor, as you're well aware. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I have a ton of clients and people that love that because they know I'm not going to feed them a line of bullshit. Well, it's just like if I called up full skill and, and I'm like, hey, I need 75 .NET developers tomorrow. You could be nope. like, yeah, sure. We got it. We got it. Oh, yeah, we got it. We got it. Or you could be like, okay, I know we really don't got that. And I'm going to be honest about it. Right. Like, I would tell you that could take me two years to fill. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and in any kind of business, it's just all about listening to your customers and setting expectation with them. Cause the last thing you want to do is create like this really negative relationship with them. Right. You're like, well, you told me you would do this. And then like, every time I talk to you, it's another runaround and more bullshit. Like, just tell me the, the real story, you know, save us all time. Well, once, once, once the trust is gone, it's nearly impossible yeah. to rebuild. Cause you're always going to remember it. It's like, if you're ever in a relationship with someone that cheated on you, yeah. You don't come back from that like very well. Like it's always in your head and you'll always remember it. So, so let's talk about customer. We're talking about loyalty all of a sudden. So let's talk about customer loyalty. So do you have a brand you're, what's a brand you've been loyal to in life? Um, like, like for me, it's Apple. I've been an Apple user. I know you're not an Apple guy, but I've just, you know, I've, I've just had good luck with the laptops, desktops, and phones. And and, and on top of that, when I've had issues, they've been helpful and responsive and realistic about the timeline. It wasn't like, yeah, we'll have it done in an hour. And then three days later, you're like, what the fuck? I mean, they'll tell you, they'll be like, hey, this might take three weeks or, or this isn't worth repairing. And on the, same, on the same side, I've been loyal to Microsoft's laptops. Like, I'm, like yep. right now, I'm using a Microsoft Surface laptop and I've had many of the different devices and I've always had great experiences with them. I had one fail, like a problem with one recently, and I returned it, no questions asked, and they sent me a new one. 
you know, like I had a good experience. Another one would be for me would be Tesla. Like I've been, you know, very, I'm very brand loyal to Tesla. Like they just make amazing cars. Um, but right. honestly, I feel like our generation is less and less loyal to a lot of things. We're not like Ford Chevy guys. Like I'm going to Ford trucks for the rest of my life. Like I don't feel like there's as much of that in the younger generations these days. Like I don't feel like people are very loyal to anything anymore. Yeah. I, well, and that's something you, you need to keep in mind. Because, you know, people cross the line. They go, they'll go to your competitor in a hurry. I mean, and definitely from, that, from business stuff, right? Like, say, we use Slack or different things like that. But you know what? We aren't that scared to move on to something else. Like, we're not using, like, we're, we're not that overly loyal. Like, if somebody else will provide something better, faster, cheaper, we're moving on. Most of the time. Yeah, now, like it's, Well, we've talked about that before in our 52-part in our tech series. We talked about that if your business plan revolves around acquiring everyone else's users or customers, you better be a lot better. Yeah. Cause once you are, once it is kind of burn in and you're ingrained, like it's just what you use. Like it would take a lot for me to quit using Apple. Like I'd really, I, there were, cause I'm used to it. I know what I'm getting. I know, you know, and some of that's what you get used to now on the flip side of that. Uh, I would imagine that when people cross the line from that, they're like never coming back, never coming back. So People don't like change. How how do you deal with an upset customer or client? I mean, sometimes what you got to do is just let them vent, right? You got to just get on the phone with them, just hear them out and, and be nice and just let them vent. I mean, some, some people just, that's what they need. They're like, I've been using your product forever. It sucks. You promised me this. You didn't deliver this. Your system was down. It has all this bugs. You fucked up all this stuff. And now my people got to deal with it. And, your software is buggy, like all of it, right? And it happens. You know, that's what is part of building software. Let's be honest. We all have buggy software. Um, and sometimes you just got to take it. You're like, you know what? We have earned this one. We made some mistakes. Time to get on the phone and eat a shit sandwich. But that sucks. I mean, the last company I just worked at, I won't name, um, you know, our customer success team, uh, one of my good friends is in charge of it. And I felt like her job every single day was to get on the phone with a different customer and take that shit sandwich. And that right there means you got big problems. Like that means if it happens once in a while, that's fine. But if you have somebody that's all they do all day long is take shit sandwiches from customers because your product sucks or your service sucks, you got big problems. Fix your product or your service. You got big problems, right? (laughs) But sometimes that's what you got to do, especially if they're big enterprise accounts, which my friend I was just describing had to deal a lot with big enterprise accounts. And they're people that pay $100,000 a year or for whatever, but they're on the phone with them all the time. It's like, oh, you promised this. You didn't deliver this. You're you know, implementation is behind schedule, whatever. And they, you, they just call and chew you out all the time. It's all, all you can do, right? And I feel bad because that's all she could do. All she could do is just listen. She couldn't even fix the problem. But you just get on the phone and you let the customer complain because they vent. And, and, and at some degree, it's all you can do is just let them vent. Yeah, I agree. You got to let them get it out of the system. And then I think another thing too is like, if you know that if you've done a bad job, admit it, own it, fix it. Yeah, right? own it. Because I will tell you that, okay, you're, you're, the idea that your company, your product, your service, or that your employees are always going to nail it and get it right, it, it's not. It's not happening. It's you, it, everyone has a bad day and, and nothing's perfect, right? But it, it, one of the things that you'll find is if you do have, pe- if you're listening to people and you know, like they're not telling you, hey, I'm canceling. 
they're telling you, Hey, I'm really having a problem here. This yeah. is making my life miserable. So, okay, you know what? I want an opportunity to fix that. But a good question is what can I do to fix this? Well, it's, it's like your carpet example, right? If you would have finally got somebody on the phone on the 14th call and they would have let you vent for a few minutes and they're like, sorry, sir. Yeah, we absolutely screwed up. We're terrible. We get it. We're short staffed, whatever excuses, whatever, but we'll be there next week. We'll get it taken care of. You'd be like, okay, finally. Right. But instead, when I finally got when I finally got someone on the call after 14 days, they were telling me that the dates that I thought that I had that I had made big life moves around like being available. I needed two full days to be attentive here. And then they moved them. And I was like, Oh, my God, that's it. That was it for me. Yeah. Sometimes you got to bend over backwards too to to just make it right. You know, that's what you got to do. You got to make it right. They should have made it right. Do you know how to install carpet? Uh, I can watch a YouTube video. I still don't feel like you know how to do it. Do you need some help this weekend? No, I found a new place that actually was that I wanted to beat my head against the wall because apparently two blocks away from our office in Kansas City, Kansas, there was another carpet place, which by the way, I went to yesterday and made an order there within 10 minutes. And I told the lady, I said, look, I recently had a problem. And she said, I won't let that happen to you. And they already called me today. I'm going to have an install in 10 days. I would never buy carpet again, by the way. Yeah, well. I think think I'm on that other, like you're on the Apple team and I'm on the Android team. You must be on the carpet team and I'm on the non-carpet team. I needed some carpet, bro. You got to have some. Now when you have little kids puking on the floor, but. Mm, I got the, I got the upgraded pad, you know, it's not going <laughs> to let the moisture get through. And a water leak the other day in my basement. Like I'm just like, no carpet, screw this. Yeah. All right. But you have well, fun with that. Good luck with the carpet. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> That's also, why I'm not going to let you install it, Matt. You're not passionate about the product. So I'm <laughs> That's not true. convinced that you're going to do a good job. I'm going to be complaining the yeah. whole time. Yeah. All right. So once again, today's episode of Startup Puzzle was brought to you by Fullscale, where you can find and hire qualified software engineers. Go learn more about Fullscale by visiting fullscale.io or clicking the link in our show notes. You know, Matt, if you go to fullscale.io, we ask you a lot of the questions like at the Get Started page about what kind of solutions you need, what you're having problems with, where your business is at. I think a lot of listening is asking the right yeah. questions, is really asking the right questions. So, you know, as we wrap up this episode, you know, I, I want to encourage all of you to figure out what the right questions are to ask your clients on the way in. You ask them on the way in and you establish what the needs are and the problem you're trying to solve and all of that up front. It makes, well, it takes the guessing game out of it. It makes transactions a lot faster. And like, I was just so happy yesterday to go buy carpet. It was just like, bang, 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 done. Like I knew exactly what I wanted and what I needed and it went fast and I didn't have to sit there for like five hours. And you know, another thing too, is some of those places, they don't want to take your order until they've come and measured your house. Okay. I have a room that's 15 by 15. I know how to use a tape measure and I'm positive that wasn't going to change. So we avoided that part too. And these are things that like avoid unnecessary steps. Don't make people do things to do business with you. That isn't necessary. Um, It's kind of like when I go to the doctor's office, why do I have to fill out the same paperwork every time? Do they not have it the last time? My name, my birth date has not changed, Matt. Dude, don't get me started on that like everything to do with customer data and oh my god 
The, you know, one thing I, I wanted to mention as we wrap this up is it's important to listen to your customers, but that doesn't mean that they're always right. Um, and sometimes you just have to take it under advisement. Sometimes they ask for the dumbest shit in the entire world. And one of my favorite, my favorite examples was from Vince, my Vin solutions days. One of the things we would do, the software would do is track appointments. Like you were going to come in and meet a salesperson at a car dealership and it would track those appointments like a calendar, right? Well, one of our customers kept calling over and over and wanted us to make it so nobody in the dealership knew who the appointments were. He wanted to hide from the salespeople, the customers that were coming into the dealership so that when the customers would randomly show up, the salespeople wouldn't even know. And I would always be like, that is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. No, we're not going to do that. And I'm telling you, customers ask for some dumb, dumb, dumb stuff. And one of the things you have to do is always filter out like the good from the bad because people are, are going to ask for some dumb stuff too. And that's one of my favorite examples. Like it never made any sense. No, I agree. I, I would have said something. I would have. Oh, I did. I would have. You know what yeah. I would always tell them? My favorite line was like, you know what? Uh, sir, I'll make the software do whatever you want if you buy the company. Whatever yeah, you I want. Just, well, I'll, I'll ask people if you get into stuff like that. I'd say, well, what's the upside of that? You know, like, what are you really trying to accomplish here? Because that's a weird, like what you just mentioned, that's a weird scenario. I, I really, in the end, I'm, I, I'm going like for my wrap up here, Matt, I'm going to say that asking the right questions is imperative. Like when it comes to listening, like, you know, and then some of it is also, you know, if you <laughs> do more of this, people, if you do a bad job, own it, fix it, admit it, make it right. Don't get defensive. Don't get angry. Like, you know, if you just, you know, you know, if you didn't do a good job, did you deliver it on time? Did you deliver a quality everything? Because if you didn't, then it's your fault and fix it. Find it. a way to fix it. It's, all, yep. it's a mistake until you fix it. And honestly, right? some, of, some of the customers that you have problems with that have bad experiences with, if you take care of those customers, they actually become Lifetime. your best Lifetime. loyal customers, right? Yes. Because yes. it's like you have proven to them that you that they're you're you care. they're important, that you care, you'll take sure. care of them, you'll make it right. And then they have that much more trust with you. I mean, as weirdly as that sounds, sometimes your worst customers that have the worst experiences, you can turn them around to your biggest advocates. Um, it's weird how that works, but it works. You know, one thing I didn't mention is one thing, if you're the way a customer is on the way in is the way they're going to be when they're in your fold. Ooh. Right. So if you get people that are like, like clearly like a terrible the on the way in, yes, don't sell them something and you don't have to worry about that later. Speaking of selling something, Matt, I'm going to get back to doing that. I'm going to catch up it. with you next week. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.